On the Ray Lalo Morning Show, we welcome to the program our very own Jim Leach and David Greising from the Better Government Association. How are you doing today, guys? Good morning, Ray. Good morning, David. Good morning. Well, welcome. Let's dive right into it. Still so much to talk about. And David, I don't know uh, how it's going in Chicago, but here in the Springfield area, we're still all pretty much reeling from the return of Rod Blagojevich into polite society. He's been making the rounds, got his hat handed to him a bit on CNN Friday night, but he is still out there. He's still talking. He's still yammering. He's still an embarrassment. And still sending a pretty <laughs> horrible signal uh, to, to the rest of Illinois, uh, just the fact that he's out walking around, continuing to suggest that he did nothing wrong, uh, that he was railroaded. I'm that, a political prisoner. You know, <laughs> as we continue to see people using their, their uh, high office for their own personal gain, it does leave us wondering what's going to be the takeaway from all this, David. Well, I, I would hope that uh, all of us do the best we can to ignore him. Unlike people in the national media, people in Illinois have had an up-close and personal view of Rodald Blagojevich and his crimes, and they know just how horrible it is to uh, hold up a children's hospital for your personal benefit and to sell a U.S. Senate seat. You're right. That disastrous appearance on, on CNN where, where Anderson Cooper just kind of laid him low, maybe will teach Blago that uh, there is a little bit of risk in terms of showing his face. Uh, that said, he we're stuck with him. And it'll be interesting to see what President Trump does with him during the campaign. He plays into the Trump narrative of a Justice Department run amok. If you're unfamiliar with the facts and you don't care about the facts, which sometimes is the case, uh, it's a good story about how this guy was railroaded. The facts say absolutely the opposite, but uh, this is something we'll probably be dealing with throughout the election cycle. You know, it's a, it's an interesting political dilemma now for Illinois Republicans who had really planned to make ethics uh, a big part of their 2020 election push. But now the standard bearer of their party is the guy who opened up the prison doors for Rod Blagojevich. Yeah, who so let him out. It, it does create a bit of a, a challenge for their messaging. I, I think it does, although when you hold that up against the weight of this wide-ranging federal investigation into corruption in Illinois, uh, with, in which all of the parties connected to the probe so far, as far as we can tell, have been Democrats— there is a, a more uh, strong narrative that the Democrats can use. Uh, Blago, let's not forget, is a Democrat, although he now calls himself a Trumpocrat. Um, so it, it's not that difficult to lump his corruption in with the wider background story. Uh, yeah, they do have the uncomfortable fact that the president, who is a Republican, uh, released Blago. But uh, I think they can deal with that. And in fact, they have dealt with that, in which you know, there was a, a, a five of the state, uh, the state's congressional delegation who are Republicans all released a statement uh, disparaging uh, this decision on President par Trump's part. And other Republican leaders like uh, State Senator Bill Brady and, and State Rep uh, Jim Durkin, Brady, the House, the Senate leader, and Durkin, the House leader, also have criticized uh, Trump's decision. So the, the, the Republicans are, are pivoting and, and trying to focus back on the ethics problems the Democrats have had. 
You know, one, one more question on this. And uh, again, I, I think your point is well taken. We would all do well to ignore Rod Blagojevich from this point going forward. Ugh. But the reality is he is he's going to be out there. He's going to almost certainly have a microphone in, in some form or another. And one of the things he's trying to push is that he was just uh, wrongfully uh, accused and convicted that all he was doing was standard political horse trading. The president has seemed sympathetic to this, and it looks as though there might be some attempt to sort of try to normalize Blagojevich's conduct here to suggest that it really isn't that bad that you got to, you know, scratch somebody's back to get your own back scratched. That's just how it works. And that seems like that would be a welcome argument for an awful lot of people uh, who are currently or have recently been in state and local government here in Illinois who have the feds breathing down their necks. Is, is there any chance that an argument like that gains traction, David? Uh, I, I would hope not. I mean, in Blago's case, he tried that argument once before a jury of his peers and was convicted. He tried that argument before the, the state re legislature when they impeached him and kicked him out of office. When people actually look at the underlying facts in his case, they say this is not politics as usual. This is you corruptly trying to gain personal influence and benefit from your public position. So um, that you know, I, I don't see the the um, lawmakers and other public officials who have been brought into this federal corruption probe successfully making this argument that this is business as usual. What we have seen so far from the pleas that have gone out as well as some of the information in th that has been subpoenaed, et cetera, is, is apparent evidence of corrupt activity uh, with some uh, showings of proof behind it. So uh, it's pretty hard to say this is just the, the way the game is played. It didn't hold up with the Blago jury. I doubt it'll be successful once these other cases uh, would come to trial. This is full disclosure on WMAY here on the Ray Lytle Morning Show. David Greising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association with us. And when last week convened, we were just hours away from Governor J.B. Pritzker's budget address. He delivered that address one week ago today. And David, as we expected, the, the sort of underlying theme of it was uh, approve the progressive income tax where the budget gets it. The governor says that he uh, that he's holding about a billion dollars in reserve to see what the outcome is for the vote there. He's taking a lot of heat for that. Uh, is, is that a, a prudent approach to budgeting or is it, as some people are calling it, a form of political extortion? <laughs> it's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, we certainly would not want to see him just going and spending this money, and then if the progressive tax proposal doesn't pass, having to somehow recover that or just completely, you know, cut bud, cuts outlays at that point halfway, more than halfway through, well, halfway through the, nearly halfway through the fiscal year. Um, what he is doing, it is, he's leveraging uh, this vote by saying, we have this big pile of money here that we're prepared to spend, but only if the progressive tax is approved. Uh, the point of the fact is that the progressive tax, by his estimates, is expected to deliver about $3 billion, more than $3 billion a year in new revenue. So, and it would take effect in, on January 1st of next year. And so it seems fair for him to say, here's what the impact would be on budgeting. I'm not going to spend any of this money, though, until I know I have it in hand.
You, uh, I know, had some issues with uh, some of what the governor had to say about pensions in his speech. He uh, uh, pretty derisively uh, said that anybody thinking we're going to fix the uh, the pension uh, problem through a constitutional amendment to uh, to to put caps on benefits or in some way alter benefits was quote fantasy. Right, and and he may have a point there. The politics really don't line up in support of a pension amendment at this point. Uh, it's expected that. Uh, uh, the Speaker of the House, Mike Madigan, would not let a pension amendment proposal move through the legislature. Uh, things uh, would change a lot, though, if the governor of the state of Illinois, a Democrat, would start arguing for the need for a pension amendment. Uh, he sees this as the first move in an effort to uh, take back promises that were made to retirees and uh the state's workforce. It need not be that. But uh, in order to get any kind of resolution, there needs to be latitude for all parties to negotiate at, as creatively and, and with as much uh, impact as they possibly can. And in order to do that, you really need to probably take have some latitude to make adjustments to pensions. He brought up what's now developing as a new argument that even if you passed an amendment, the, this would cause us and started to amend what people have been promised. This would be a violation of the contracts clause of the Constitution. And I uh, published a column just saying, you know what, that's an argument. Yeah, that argument's out there. But that argument also is, it, at the very least, it, debatable. There's case law out there that indicates that the contracts clause argument would not hold up if challenged at the U.S. Supreme Court. And so that's not a very good excuse to use in order to refuse to consider an amendment on pensions in the state of Illinois. The governor has said his progressive income tax will allow the state to put more money toward the unfunded pension liability, start paying that down. Uh, Does the math add up in your view, David? No, it it absolutely does not. Uh, There's a little money thrown at the pension problem. It's nowhere near enough to catch up with the uh, $140 billion or so in a back in, in pension payments that are owed. Uh, you know, this, this is the sort of kind of uh, shell game that politicians play, play when they know, they know they don't have the resources to make good on the promises and they're just kicking the can down the road. This is not an effective uh, approach to solving the state's pension problem. Full disclosure on the Ray Lionel Morning Show. David Greising here with the Better Government Association. We've got more coming up in just a moment. All right, let's go live back out to our good friend Jim Leach and David Greising for the Better Government Association. It's time for full disclosure. As we've been talking a lot about uh, the state budget and spending, we've seen some numbers this week about the first month of legal marijuana sales here in Illinois. By every measure, Illinois had one of the best first months of any state in the nation. Success! And and the tax haul we got, it is literally the proverbial drop in the bucket of Illinois' financial needs. We took in about $10 million in taxes, which is, <laughs> I don't know even what, but point, point zero zero one second of, of states uh, of the state's operating expenses. It covered two pensions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no doubt. Uh, and, and it's funny, we pay so much attention to marijuana, part, partly because it's such a social phenomenon, uh, these lines outside the dispensaries and such. But the money really is not very big. And this is part of the problem that 
the governor and the legislature face in in the hole that the, they've dug themselves into uh, with the uh, with the budget and and the pension underfunding. We rely now on marijuana and. Uh, and we'll be relying on gambling if that ever gets up and running in the state. And and yet those those numbers are so small, they're not going to be able to do much in terms of solving our much bigger budget problems. And, and that is, uh, you know, an important point here. We uh, we had a lot of talk about these things and what uh, what big economic impacts they were going to have for the state of Illinois. And and certainly there there has been a, a growing marijuana industry it is creating some jobs we might see at least a little bit of that when sports betting arrives which could be as early as next month but anybody thinking this was going to be a a huge windfall for the state uh just wasn't being realistic about it no they weren't Uh, the budget for fiscal 2021 i think is 127 million dollars from marijuana sales um that's not bad i mean governor prisker has said he's going to put $100 $100 million into the state's rainy day fund over the next two years. So that additional revenue could could more than account for the first year payment of $50 million into the rainy day fund. But you take a half a step back, Jim, and look at the rainy day fund. We have, as the state of Illinois, currently has about $59,000 in its rainy day fund. That will not run the state government for a single day. Uh, it's still going to be rainy. <laughs> <laughs> Nationwide, uh, the states have some $75 billion in rainy day funds uh, altogether. And on average, a state has enough in its rainy day fund to run their state for about 30 days without any new revenue coming in. So that just shows you how far behind we are. Uh, and things like marijuana and gambling uh, will not be enough. They're, they're, they'll, they're a benefit. They will bring some money in. That's Better than no money in, but there nobody should be deluded to think that these are the big solutions. You know, and, and it's important to to keep a sense of perspective on this. Our state's fiscal problems are are so deep, they're so long standing. You're not going to correct them in a single budget, or even in two or three or four budgets. But you have to at least start taking some bites of that apple. And and a lot of folks would be looking at what we've done the, the last couple of years and saying, we're not even really starting to nibble away at this problem yet. Uh, we're, we're addressing some other issues, such as understaffing in DCFS and trying to get that agency under control, taking care of a few other things like that. But in terms of, of really improving our, our fiscal footing here, even Moody says, well, OK, you're a little bit better off, but uh, heaven help us if we have a recession or something, we just don't have any cushion at all. No, we don't. And that's the problem with having essentially zero money in the rainy day fund. You do, we do have to give the governor credit. This budget does not rely very much on kind of, you know, a smokescreen and fake outs. It, it, the numbers seem fairly realistic. And the idea of holding back m- money, as we talked about earlier, is re- responsible budgeting. It plays to his political benefit, of course. But even this budget that doesn't really begin to make the kind of substantive headway towards solving the bigger problems. And that's why... Uh, I and others uh, who look at what the governor is doing just scratch our heads when he refuses to consider structural pension reform. David, we are out of time for today. Real quickly, tell people how to reach you in the BGA the rest of the time. I'm at better, uh, degreising at bettergov.org. Uh, that's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. And our website is bettergov.org. And we'll do it again next Wednesday morning here. Full disclosure on the Ray Lytle Morning Show.